Welcome to the Crypto Assets and Blockchain Podcast. Louis XIV 
evaluating everybody where acidosis, and this is kind of what brought the uh, economy of France actually, um, it actually like accelerated the economy because there were not much, um, uh, yeah, so they didn't have actually a lot of resources taken from other states, other, other countries. They kind of like were residing on, on their own economy and King Louis is kind of interesting because he forced everybody and made everybody excited in the royals of Europe to, to dress nice and to buy France, uh, France clothes and this uh, brought the economy a lot up. In fact, it's also everything about scarcity and that's beautifully aligned with how it's in the cryptocurrency world. So when you have scarcity, either it's naturally because it's a handful produced, it's really hard to, um, to make in high quantities, or it's maybe even an artificial uh, scarcity, it makes things more interesting. A very nice example in the cryptocurrency world is the CryptoKitties. It's something which is scarce or it's only unique, it's only exists once, and people are willing to pay money for that. And it's about history. So if something, if an item has history, then it actually uh, gets even more valuable. Or let's say I have a product which was owned by an important person, then it feels more worth to me and for others than it might be if it was just the same item, uh, like freshly bought. So in a way, blockchain and fashion do have some similarities here. Um, you have the uniqueness and craftsmanship in fashion, but also the uniqueness that every Bitcoin or every cryptocurrency or every asset you have on the blockchain is like is perfectly traceable and is perfectly unique. And you can't counterfeit uh, a Bitcoin or something. You have the scarcity. And in the cryptocurrency world, that is actually uh, is a completely, uh, is a chosen choice, is a choice, right? So you don't actually have to limit them. Um, in the amounts, you can technically have uh, unlimited bitcoins, unlimited, unlimited ether, whatever. But this kind of limit is what makes it interesting for people to join early and believe in the project when it's not yet uh, successful. And in the blockchain world, you also obviously have uh, transaction history, and the same, it's the same thing you need in fashion. So it's kind of what the fashion world created through creating friends over time. This is what the blockchain gives as a technology and a basis. So it's actually a perfect, perfect fit. And especially in the future and in the time of the digital age, uh, uniqueness and scarcity is, is thought of something very complicated uh, to have in the internet age. And blockchain now shows actually, no, we can't have it. We can't have uniqueness. So I would make a statement blockchain can manifest in the digital realm what the fashion design does in physical. So it creates this authenticity, and this is kind of like an important piece here, um, because I can have unique physical as well as unique digital objects. Um, for example, today we have in the tech industry a huge counterfeit problem, right? Especially for like expensive handbags and things, it's very hard to, um, yeah, it's, 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 they have a huge problem because like there's a lot of Chinese replicas, and they are today almost sometimes indistinguishable. And you could also have a Chinese factory which just makes an overshift and then produce more of the original, actually. So the blockchain would actually help make it completely unique and transparent to see what actually came from a friend or a designer and what, what uh, didn't. 
Um, you can also improve the reach because through compatibility on the blockchain and through these new ways of how we can interact for some of the tokens, um, we create a completely different way of how we can uh, communicate and, and share value across different parties and across different companies and, and uh, in the industry. <coughs> it creates this interoperability combination which the blockchain brings us. So, what we are going to do is we build a network for a specific industry, and in this case, the fashion and design industry. And um, the question is like, why we need like a different network, right? Like why we don't all use one network? And initially, uh, in Bitcoin, we had this idea, okay, Bitcoin will be the over, over blockchain, and we don't need any other ever. The problem is, this technology is rather early, and we are right now in the Commodore computer stage. So, um, the blockchain is as, as they are right now, they're not really super scalable. And that's a problem. For example, Bitcoin or Ethereum are actually at its capacity maximum. So, thinking the last years about it, speaking a lot about it uh, in conferences, speaking with people and in different industries, my belief is that there will be a lot of different industry-specific projects. And the reason is that you have these resources you only share between the industry, and you also can have some sort of different arrangements of how you manage the blockchain. For example, you could have a consortium blockchain where the, the, um, the, the ones who create the blocks is kind of like a chosen group. And therefore, you can kind of control the growth because you can basically manage what kind of use, use cases go on with blockchain. <coughs> that's for some of the cases with Luxo, it will be basically uh, run by industry leaders, but it will be verified by everybody, and this is exactly what makes the blockchain itself uh, so important. So we don't have to just trust another group of giving me some data set and then they tell me it's true, I can actually verify that it's correct, and I can actually prevent the people from manipulating it. Because if I want to know and they want to change the rules, they would have to convince me to change too, because otherwise it's, it's not valid for me. So I have a lot of benefits if you do a so-called public permission blockchain. And I'm pretty convinced that in the next few years we will see a lot of those in all kinds of industries. And I was, it might be um, industry-specific or it might be special-purpose blockchains, um, but certainly there will be a lot of them. And that's the, the current, it's a bit bigger than that, but this is a core founder team. And you see it's a lot of women, and I think it's a good thing. Um, yeah, industry-specific specific blockchains, I think it's definitely the way to go, and um, we will probably see a lot of what we saw in the public sphere, like in the, in the ICO world, and kind of like all the years between the tokens and also initiated this kind of like craze around, hey, we can collect money, we can distribute ownership, we most likely will see that in industries as well. Uh, it's just probably the right in the world of that. So what can happen with this blockchain? Um, actually, it will be it's a more smartphone-based blockchain, so everything can happen. So you can basically do whatever you want, and if you want to try this innovation about thinking about the future use case. I mean, if we think about like, 10 years ago, if somebody would have said, hey, there will be this application, you just watch pictures, and probably an hour or two per day, people use to just watch these pictures, you probably would have thought, hey, it's impossible. It makes no sense, right? 
but with Instagram, that's exactly what we're doing. And uh, many people are watching a lot of videos every day. So it's about what is coming and what is the future looking like, what kind of interactions we can create. Obviously, like the, the very clear one, the one I described, I mean, I can put a chip in the back. This chip can want a private key, you can authenticate itself, and you cannot replicate the chip. So you can have like a, a chip you can't copy because you can't reach the secret, and nobody can reach the secret. Then you simply register publicly on the blockchain, and you can authenticate this back anytime, or uh, this expensive watch, and uh, you know it's an original, and there can be a second one. So you can't make multiple copies of the items. This at the same time creates the digital twin and creates like a digital life of this item, which makes it then usable around all kinds of human digital and virtual use cases. And here, for example, you can have an interaction, you can have an interaction with your customer, and you can transfer this item. So first you can have a secondary market and, and you know you're buying the original. Even if you buy it on YouTube, you could definitely know that you have a real one and you don't. And you as a brand, for example, would even interact with the tenant owner. You could send him discount codes, inviting him to buy more. You can send him batches. You could invite him to events to give him access uh, tokens or whatever. And you don't even need to know how the name of this person is doing this or whatever. You just are able to reach him and incentivize him uh, without that uh, you have to have another message card and another customer sign up. And every time you go to the store, you anyway don't have the best come with you. And you forgot your reward points at all, which you collected somewhere or whatever. But this is like very basic use cases and often very obvious ones, but more interesting is when we think about what the future will be. And I think a very important piece of the future will probably uh, most likely will be virtual reality and the virtualization of our lives. And we most likely will spend a lot of time in these worlds. So it's very important to take the physical things into the working world, as well as um, create a new, uh, unique thing in the working world. And um, this future is very much up on us. And I'm, I'm expecting this to be a very strong transition in the next five years or so. so we want to create this innovation platform for exactly this industry. And there will be many industries, and you can create like blockchains for whatever industries. And the nice thing is you can all interconnect these blockchains, and you can interconnect uh, the use cases across these blockchains. And yeah, that's what we're going to do with Luxo. And um, I'm very interested in looking forward to what the future uh, shows. And if there's any questions around the topic or about around the blockchain, then I'm not sure if you have a microphone. Okay, can you say some time there? Yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, ma'am. It's actually all the most American nature. Right, so uh, what I don't understand is why can't I replicate the Considering that it is, I mean, let's say in the Bitcoin world, you can have a solid company with my paper wallet, if I can have solid company with these chips. Because it's, it's called a process execution environment. I mean, some of your, your smartphones have such a, a, 
space where you cannot reach in. So you can even create chips with a private key or like the, the signatures is derived out of the upper structure of the chip itself. So it's kind of like when you produce it and it generates the key, no one can read that key. Nobody ever will. I mean, sure, it's like for certain chips, like there are ways to hack them. If it would be based on the optimal structure, then you would have to actually replicate one to one this optimal structure. But you shouldn't bend the chip, I guess. It would change the tamper-resistant thing with the chip because what if I just rip the chip out and put it in one of the nice counterfeit uh, Chinese ones and then I have to pull back because if I walk down the street nobody's like, hey man, verify your back. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. It's a very important point. Um, that's exactly the same way how, how actually crypto economics work. Um, there's no incentive to do so. I mean, I cannot make out of one back a thousand. I could just make a fake one, a real one, but then uh, the real one is fake. So, I mean, like, yes, it did. We, I would know that's the real one, but I couldn't sell it anymore because nobody would like, buy one without a chip. Uh, I couldn't authenticate that. So, I mean, yeah, sure, you can put it on a wrong object. There's probably no incentive to do so. Similar like it's hard to, to fork, but it's, there's no incentive to fork Bitcoin and make yourself. So they all are all coins. Nobody will uh, accept that or follow you, right? So yes, you can, but um, it's still, you know, it makes you a real one or fake one. Thank you. Hi, Tom Young. This is Samuel. I work for a company called Leo Digital. Um, we believe that we will see the emergence of uh, distributed ledger operating systems in, in order to address some of the challenges that you mentioned, uh, meaning seeing across the industry operability, security, and so on and so on. Uh, what do you believe about that? Is that a thought that you already have as well, or what would be your view? I would actually say uh, Ethereum is an operating system. It's, it's like a computer, right? I, have, um, I can install smart contracts. Um, and this is kind of like I'm installing programs in the same uh, memory space. So these programs can interact with each other, they're all operating on the same computer, and they can have like references and interact in the same way. At the same time, this block time is kind of like the CPU side of the machine. So every time there's a new block created, which changes the state of CPU smart contracts, it's kind of like when this computer like, computed something new. And obviously right now we have around 15 to 20 seconds with these computations. It's a very slow moving machine. Um, but we can easily uh, parallelize it in the future and so on. Um, if you would call it a uh, operating system, then probably it would be the standards we now define would be kind of the components of the operating system. So we standardize identity, we standardize tokens, non-functional tokens, we standardize registries. And a lot of people do in Luxor is about standardization. I mean, it's, we have to bring, first we bring the industry of using a blockchain, which is already a great learning for them. 
but then it's about creating standards, creating registries which work that are cost compatible because you don't want every brand having a separate different registry type or the, a different identity version of the items. You want them to be the same in order that the user only has one app and not ten. And you can load them all in one app and interact with them and authenticate. And you start to build an authentication app, for example, or whatever new kind of things you can uh, think of. I mean, the future will only be interesting if this is interoperability. And uh, I think you know, branding system is a collection of standards. And we are right now very in the beginning of these standards, and we build these base components. But even today, you already see with these few base components like tokens and identity, there would be a huge amount of things you could build on top of these tools. So, that's <coughs> Significant tangible benefits to counterfeiting these items. For instance, uh, you kind of decrease uh, the conspicuous consumption and decrease uh, inequality because now the you know the plebs can also have a, a, a nice bag, and you uh, kind of accelerate innovation in production standards. You make things better for cheaper, incentivize people who are looking to make things better, things more cheaper, and, and even a plethora of other uh, benefits to that as well. I mean, technically, you could, yes. I mean, technically, first you could uh, add provenance to the items. So you could say, hey, where things come, came from. This is like a factory worker in China with like little children, or is it like from the certified or group, or is the, the wall good, or is the level good? So you could add kind of like, um, you know, kind of like which allows us to know more about the product itself. But why we go for high-end luxury items at first is um, because this is like low volume, high value. So that's you're trying to show the neighbors. Hmm? You're buying the high-end luxury item because you want to show the neighbors that you can afford it. I mean, whatever. The reason why people do that is kind of like status. If I can afford it, and um, I want to have to, if somebody wants and the quality, and something on one hand, probably status. The thing why we use, choose these use cases first is because this is what the blockchain can handle, especially with a lot of different brands. And we would go on out to reach a consumer, and then a consumer, and then a consumer, 